Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. We'll, uh, we'll get into the reading here in just a second. But I want to make sure that our minds are all kind of in the same place. Last week, we talked about the problem that the Corinthian church had. And ultimately, the problem that the Corinthian church had is that their mindset was wrong. They were thinking incorrectly. And we can look back even in chapter number two, and we can begin to see this. But go back to chapter number one. We have a group of people who are disputing with one another. There's, there's no unity. There's division. Some are saying that they were of Paul, and some are saying that they were of Apollos, and some are saying that they were of Christ, but they were dividing with one another. And they were dividing with one another because their mindset about things was incorrect. And we begin to see this in chapter number two. Paul writes here in chapter number two and explains to them that his desire was to tell them something in particular, but the problem that he had was they were not looking at things via the wisdom of God, but they were looking at things according to the wisdom of man. And Paul begins, even in chapter number two, he begins and he explains there, he says, when I came to you, I didn't come preaching the wisdom of God. I can't, or I didn't come preaching the wisdom of man. I came preaching the wisdom of God. He said, even when I came, chapter number two, verse number three, he says, I came to you in much weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wisdoms, man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the, of, in demonstration of the spirit of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul explains, he says, the reason that I came was to preach to you Christ. And when I came, I didn't preach to you according to the wisdom of man. I didn't say things that would have necessarily made sense according to the wisdom of man, but I was preaching to you Christ and him crucified. And even when I was preaching, my preaching was with weakness. In a sense, Paul was saying, I didn't give you something. I didn't give you some great oratory. I gave you Christ. We look at verse number six in chapter number two just to kind of set a little bit of context as we're looking into chapter number three. Verse number six, he said that, he said, we speak among them that are perfect. So he says, I was going to explain something to you and I will explain it to the ones that understand it. And he begins to explain down through verse number nine that the wisdom of God is found in the gospel. That the gospel would have never made sense With worldly wisdom. It would have never made any sense to those who had the wisdom of the world. And that's what he even talks about there in verse number nine, where he quotes that that verse that we often hear quoted about heaven. I had not seen nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. He is speaking about the gospel because we found that Isaiah or Paul was actually quoting Isaiah when he wrote that. And he was quoting Isaiah in reference to the Messiah. So he said, the wisdom of God is found in the gospel. And in a sense, what Paul begins to do is to tell them the reason that they are 
disputing with one another is because they're not understanding the wisdom of God in light of the gospel of God. They weren't allowing the gospel to be the way that they discerned these things. And he tells them that some, some of them just could not discern those things because they did not have the Spirit of God teaching them. Because who did Paul say knew the mind of God but God? And if God knows the mind of God and you've been given the Spirit who knows the mind of God, then you've been given the ability to understand things correctly. But as we come to chapter number 3, Paul begins and he says, I and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. And hereto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. And whereas there is among you envyings and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Paul begins in this section, again, to explain why he is writing all of the things that he is going to write to them. And it's because they were carnally minded. They were fleshly minded. They were thinking about things in the way that humanity would think about things rather than with the wisdom of God. Paul said, I would have written unto you and just explained these things to you but you couldn't bear it. You couldn't understand it. You couldn't understand what I wanted to write because your mindset has to change first. And Paul begins to do these things here through the next couple chapters to actually change their mindset before he gets into the chapters where he talks about their actions. Because if their mindset doesn't change, then their actions will never change. And I think we could even apply that to ourselves. We can, we can tell people that they should do things and they should not do things, even with my children. I can tell my children, you should do this and you should not do this. But it may not make sense to them why I'm saying it. And not that I'm not necessarily saying because I'll tell them sometimes. It don't have to make sense to you. It's because of what I said. But if it makes sense, then it's going to be easy, more easy to be done rather than if it doesn't make sense. So Paul is going to change their mindset or attempt to change their mindset with the gospel and with the wisdom of God before he starts to address the problems that they have. And he does both. But he tells us here in chapter number three that he could not speak to them as spiritual because they were fleshly, they were carnal. As we kind of continue down through here in verse four, down through around verse 19, Paul is going to specifically address the division that is happening here by explaining who the ones who are bringing the gospel are. And he does this with an analogy of growing things. Verse number four, he says, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of apostle, Apollos, are you not carnal? He says explicitly in verse 4, when one of you says, I'm of Paul, and the other says, I'm, <laughs> I'm of Apollos, you are proving your mindset. You are proving the way that you're thinking about things because you are attracting to a specific 
position, if we can put it that way, rather than being attracted to the message itself. And Paul will even emphasize this in the, even in the language that he gives. Who then is Paul? He says in verse number five. Who is Apollos? But ministers whom, by whom ye believed, even as God gave to every man. So who is Paul? If, if they're saying, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos, and this is proof of their carnality, it's proof of their fleshly mindset, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who are these men? Well, Paul tells us these men were bringing the same message. They weren't preaching something different than one another, although they had, and again, we're going to see this, they had different giftings. They had different things that God was using them to do. They were bringing the same message. Paul said, They are ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave unto every man. This is spoken about in other places in the New Testament because we're told that the church had been given gifts. He had been given pastors and teachers and evangelists. They've been given to us. Paul's not changing his mind here. He says that the Lord has given these men to them that are bringing the same message, but he's given these men specific giftings to build up the church. And he proves this in verse number six. I have planted and Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase. In a sense, we could look at it like this. Paul came and he planted the church at Corinth. Paul was used to start the church here. And Apollos was being used to water what Paul had started, to to continue to, to explain and to expound upon the message that Paul gave. But both of these men, although their, their giftings, if you will, were different, What they did may have looked a little bit different as one was planting and one was watering. Who is it that gave the increase? It says that God gave the increase. Paul is taking their mind away from Paul and Apollos. He's taking their mind away from these people that they had divided around and said, one planted and one watered, But it was God that gave the increase. Verse number seven. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So he emphasizes, he continues to emphasize what he has said in verse number five by saying, the one who is planting isn't the one that that is matters. If we can put it that way. The one who's planting isn't the one who matters. And the one who's watering isn't the one who matters. But the one that matters is God that gives the increase. And that's one of the reasons that we can look even across Christianity, if that's a way that we can say it, and see different people with different strengths and weaknesses working to build the church of God. There are, there are people that I would think of even myself and think, well, these guys are uniquely gifted and 
I wish I was able to communicate things like they were. Or I wish I was able to, to be part of this, this ministry that they have. Or I wish they had, I had this gifting that they had. But Paul is emphasizing here that that mindset is a worldly mindset. The mindset of trying to divide over people, over figures, is only ever going to cause division. This is one of the reasons that the whole celebrity pastor model is so bad. Because what inevitably happens when you look at a pastor and he is the end all for everything, you will inevitably begin to divide with people who don't agree with the man that you're looking to. And in this age of technology that we live in, we see that in an even greater way. Because there are people, and we've even seen it recently. I won't go into any details on any of it, but we have seen even recently in, in a, at least in a circle of Christianity, that there was a man who was considered a celebrity in the world of Christianity. People had him at conferences, all this type of thing, and he said something that somebody else disagreed with. He said something that was incorrect. But what you had happen was instead of people coming around and looking at what was being said, they were looking at who said it. And that happens again and again and again when we have this mindset, this fleshly mindset that is opposed to the mindset that God has given us in the Spirit of Christ. We look to people and what they say rather than looking to the Scriptures and what the Scriptures say. And we will begin to divide over this popular teacher and that popular teacher over what this popular pastor said and what this popular pastor said. We'll divide over those things and we will become followers of these figures rather than seeing them for what they are. And that's gifts that have been given to build up the church. Verse number seven, Paul again, Paul is emphasizing the one who plants is nothing. The one who waters is nothing. Those people in the scheme of things, it doesn't necessarily hinge on them, nor is are they the ones that are doing the work. They're not the, the important ones. They've been given for the gifting and the building of the church, but God is the one who is behind the scenes doing the work. Yes. Verse number eight. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Paul again, he's saying, you can almost see him really just putting this in plain terms for the Corinthians. Because he said, okay, we're doing the same thing. God is giving the increase. Neither one of us matter because God is giving the increase. And when you get down to it, we're doing the same job because God is doing the increase. So he gets into this, into verse number eight. He says that now that he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Paul, again, is emphasizing that they have been given different gifts and they have different laboring, but they are working under the same Lord. It is the same God who has given both of these men with both of their gifts and both of them will receive their own reward 
according to their own labor. Verse number nine, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are his husbandry. Ye are God's building. Paul, again, he's explaining to the Corinthian church that they are laborers together. They are working together. So this division among these men ought not be the case because God has given them to labor together. And Paul says, he says, you are God's husbandry. You're the ones that he is planting. You are the ones that he is increasing. And we're here planting and watering. Paul then comes in and uses a different analogy at the end of verse number 9, and we'll continue that down through verse number 15. Verse number 9, at the end of this, the verse there, he says, Ye are God's building. So God is building something. And again, this, this rings of this same idea where God has given people for the building up of the church. And he's going to use some of that imagery as he goes down through the following verses. Verse number 10, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. And again, we see this idea where Paul is basically telling them that because of the grace of God that was given to him, because of the gifting that God has given to him, because of the purpose that God had planned for him to accomplish, he came in as a master builder, as an architect, And he planted the church in Corinth. He laid the foundation. And he says, anybody who comes in after is building on the foundation that is already laid. And Paul gives us a warning in verse number 10. and says, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation... Can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Paul again is emphasizing, he said, I came in, I God used me to plant. He started the church there in Corinth. He began to structure the things as the architect of the church there. He said he laid the foundation, and he again tells them what the foundation that he laid was. Chapter number two, he said that he came in preaching Christ. Christ and him crucified. There was not a foundation that Paul laid other than the gospel of Christ. But anybody who came in after him, whether it be Apollos or anyone else, Paul said to take, he tells them to take heed how they build thereupon. So we have a foundation that is Christ and we have people who are coming in after Paul and are building on that foundation. In the last three verses of this text, there is a section that has for years been taken out of context. And I I didn't really realize until we started walking through this book how many sections of Scripture in just the beginning of 1 Corinthians are sections that have been for years taken out of the context in which they belong. We saw that in verse number 9 of chapter number 2. 
where I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither any has entered the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. My whole life I was told that this was about heaven. This was about what we were going to see in heaven one day. But in context, Paul is speaking about the gospel. When we come to the end of chapter number 3, oftentimes this section is used to talk about a judgment seat for believers. But I think we could all sit here and argue that that's just not found in the context here. In order for us to say that these texts here are talking about a judgment seat in the future where believers will stand around and all of their works will be loaded onto a conveyor belt and they'll go through this fire and if good things come out, then you get those good things. And if wood, hay, and stubble come out, then, well, you're just in a lot of trouble. That's typically the way that this is positioned within some circles. And within one of those circles are the circle that I grew up in. So that's the way that I would have understood this text to be saying at one point. This is the proof that people would use to say that that's what the judgment seat would look like, that everything that you ever did would be loaded and displayed, and whatever it came out with is what you would get to cast at Jesus' feet. But again, if we just walk through the text, it's not in the context here. What Paul is speaking to is what we find in verse number 9. Ye are God's building. Paul says that he came as an architect. He is laying a foundation, which is Christ, that men, Apollos included, have come in. They've begun to build on this foundation. The foundation hasn't changed. It's still Christ. But they're building on the foundation. In verse number 12, he says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. So where are these, where are these materials going? They're building with these materials on the foundation. And in the context, in the greater context of what Paul is saying... What are the two things that he has been addressing? He has, first of all, been addressing the wisdom of God. And second of all, he's been addressing the wisdom of man. So in that context of people coming in and laying upon this foundation, we have these materials, gold, silver, precious stones. These are good materials. These are good things to build with. And then we have wood, hay, and stubble. And if anybody here has ever read The Three Little Pigs, you know that these aren't good materials to build with. Paul is saying that there are two separate materials that are being used to build. And he's saying this to the Corinthian church who are looking at things without the mind of Christ... They're looking at things with a worldly wisdom. And there are those within the church who are attempting to build upon the foundation of Christ with a worldly mindset. Paul will explain that this worldly mindset is not the correct material on which we are building on the foundation. Wood, hay, and stubble is not going to last. And he explains this in verse number 13. 
He says, every man's work shall be made manifest. You're going to see every man's work as it was. You're going to see how it lasted. There is a little bit of debate on what the day here is. Because he says, for the day shall declare it. There's some that do hold to the fact that this day that Paul is speaking of is a future day where everything will be judged, everything will be revealed. And there are others who say that this day that Paul is speaking of is basically time telling what's, you know, time will tell. That the day, eventually, time is going to prove, time is going to declare it. But either way that we look at this, we can be assured that eventually, whatever someone is using to build upon this foundation that Paul has laid, it will be made manifest. Whether it's at the last day or whether it's throughout the course of time, it's going to show itself. You're not going to be confused about whether or not this type of material lasted and this other type of material didn't because the day is going to declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Again, in the context that we're looking at here, what is the work that is being done? It's building upon the foundation. Paul says that eventually the day will show forth. It will be revealed what sort of work the man did. And again, talking into the context of what Paul is saying, if there are men who are building with worldly wisdom, it will be declared. Fire will show whether it was correct material or incorrect material. And I think we could even argue that we can look back throughout history and see where time has revealed these things. Where time has revealed the work. Time has revealed the type of material that was being used to lay upon the foundation of Christ. In verse number 14, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Paul will continue to use this analogy throughout the verses that finish out chapter number three. He will continue to use this analogy of a temple. But in the text that we have looked at this evening, Paul is explaining to the Corinthian church, I can't speak to you the way that I would like to because your mindset is wrong. I'm having to speak to you in a way that is, Paul calls it milk, in a way that you're able to understand it. He tells them that they're fleshly, that they're carnal, and that this carnality, this fleshliness, this wrong mindset is what is causing divisions and strife in their midst. There is, there is, even kind of referencing from this morning, there is a cause, which is their fleshly mindset, that is having this effect, which is division. Paul, though, he emphasizes, and we've seen this as we look down through the text, that it is God who is doing the increase. 
God has given specific people with specific giftings to build up the church. But God is the one who is doing the work. And again, Paul emphasizes that if we are going to come in and build with something that is not of the wisdom of God, that is not matching the foundation that has been laid, then over time and eventually at the end of time, it will be displayed that what we used to build was wrong. So if we, even today, if we are coming together as a church, and we are building with anything that does not match the wisdom of God. If we're building with anything that is not of the gospel, then time will prove, and ultimately the end of time will prove that we were using material that was incorrect. We were using material that made sense within our minds, but did not match the mind of God. And that's where we ought to be looking as we walk down through the text. Our mind ought to go as we walk down through the text like this, is to take the same warning that Paul is giving to the Corinthian church, to take the same exhortation that he is giving the Corinthian church and to apply that to ourselves, to make sure that we aren't of those who are dividing with one another over men but that we are focusing on the work of God. And that when it come, we come together and we are building up the church of God, that we use the material that God has given us to do that, namely the gospel. That we are building with this wisdom of God. We are building with this material that God has given instead of with what makes the most sense to us. Because what makes sense to us will not last. Throughout, again, throughout the previous section in Corinthians, we've seen, we've understood, Paul's been explicit that the wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of man. And that the wisdom of God doesn't often make sense to man, but that he has given us that wisdom. We have it available, which would make it even more foolish for us to not Take that and use that as we are building the house of God. Let's pray this evening.